This episode of the Diet Starts on Monday podcast is in collaboration with Go Figure Online Coaching. Go Figure is run by my personal trainer, Ryan McConnell, the soundest man alive, and Lord knows he's his work cut out for him being my coach. Go Figure specializes in female fat loss and muscle gain and is designed for busy gals like myself who have a bit of gym experience but need some accountability. Credit where credit is due. Go Figure is the best thing I have ever done. Ryan's super sound, really understanding, and he's helped me break so many of my bad habits when it comes to food and training. Plus, the man is genuinely fucking hilarious. We're currently working towards a long-term goal and I'm buzzing for the results. Joining Team Go Figure is super, super easy. Just message Ryan on the Go Figure online Instagram page to book a free consultation and you could be hiking up Slave Donard with us on Saturday morning. God knows how he convinced me to get up at half five on a Saturday to do that, but for some reason I have agreed to it. But I am looking really forward to it because uh, the girls are absolutely fantastic and the Facebook group, um, the banter is absolutely 90. So if you are looking for an online coach that doesn't suck up your entire day and gives you exactly what you want, which is accountability, guidance and education, then look no further. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Diet Starts on Monday podcast. I am joined by yet another fabulously wonderful guest um, and I am joined by the lovely Keelan Maguire. So Keelan Maguire is a journalist, a travel writer and she works for House of Coco and if you do or do not follow her, if you don't follow her on Instagram, follow her immediately, it's linked in the show notes but also if you do follow her you will be plagued with the biggest source of travel envy or content envy that you have like Keelan's photos are absolutely amazing the pieces that she writes are beautiful I have about three issues of House of Coco under my bed and um, they are just the most beautifully put together magazine so Keelan do you want to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about you yes hello guys I'm very thrilled to be on the podcast and see Nicole again we went to school together primary and secondary Mm -hmm. but haven't seen you in like years and probably like 10 years um yeah I live in Edinburgh now um I as Nicole said I'm a travel writer I'm the production editor of House of Coco um, and I also own a travel content production agency which I launched last year and um, which sort of just brings to the front my love of travel photography as Nicole mentioned mm-hmm. um and yeah it's been a pretty amazing journey over the past like what what I'm 29 this year so fuck <laughs> 10 years um <laughs> But yeah, well, so I'm 30 in July, you. which oh, makes sense because you're exactly a year below me at school. So that, that yeah, not like that mailer that I got. I thought that it was you. <laughs> yeah, so basically, Keelan, if anyone follows officially quickly as well, she's in her second trimester and. Keelan got an email from her that was like hi from Quigley and she thought it was me and she was like hang on what second trimester what's going on and I was like no 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 babies here. <laughs> I was so confused so confused. <laughs> but yeah so uh, Keelan said her and I went to school together and the reason I brought her on the podcast is because she's just such a badass motherfucker like I swear to god like you've just (laughs) taken every risk possible and built yourself this amazing life and every time I see your Instagram and everything like obviously you know people get like travel envy and life envy and all that all those other things but I just always see like your travel writing and your pieces and your content and I'm like oh my god Keelan I'm so proud of you girl and you're just the biggest hype girl ever as well you send me the nicest messages but basically Keelan and I come from like Keelan's from we're both from Irvinstown and County from Anna originally and it is the tiniest tiniest town ever and like I just the reason I asked Keelan to come on and speak today was because 
lives like that just don't happen to people from Pramana unless they take really big leaps and bounds. So, well, that's the mindset is that basically like, oh, that's the mindset that people have to break out of. And if you have bigger dreams, would you say you're kind of like picked on or weirded or say to the I wouldn't kind of say I would definitely say like I know for even for my brother when he was like trying to start his different businesses like Mm -hmm. and there's a difference between like banter and abuse and yeah for trying to just be like entrepreneurial or whatever and I think a lot of people then get scared to you know go forward and show the world what they have Mm -hmm. um in case people at home say this or that but I was just like fuck what people don't want to say because the people that matter are going to support you exactly. the people who aren't supporting you don't matter so 100 percent. so what that about, what's thing. that saying that the people who mind don't matter and the people who matter don't mind exactly Isn't that it? yeah <laughs> exactly um but yeah so basically like I would have been in that kind of mindset as well of that I wanted to do this like I was like oh my god I want to be Miranda Priestley when I grow up but I didn't take the steps to do that and I honestly think number one I was always the world's biggest procrastinator like I've done so many different things to get myself and reduce that side of my personality but I do think I am just I just love fanning about but um, (laughs) but you know when you're just like yeah I just I do think it was part of it was like a self-belief thing I never believed that I could and as well like I do think you know I was I was bullied quite a lot in school for being like different or like having a different mindset or thinking differently and I think that does leave its mark that way you're just kind of like oh I don't even want to try so basically what is your advice to anyone who has any kind of dream and basically tell us about the steps you took from being as young as a teenager right through to where you are now do you know what I think I'll just say this first that younger people now are more sort of forward thinking and yeah. big each other up and they just go and do exactly what they want to do and I wish that it had been like that when we were growing up and it wasn't like sort of mm-hmm. people putting you down and you weren't like releasing your inhibitions and whatever and yeah. um, and I don't know about you but I thought the careers uh department in our school was shite oh God, <laughs> like they were awful law you could do law you could do medicine you could go and do maths or English lit and like teacher. so I applied for English lit obviously a teacher yeah because um, I did languages so everyone was like you're gonna be a teacher yeah I know but why would you yeah. why would you the not last be thing like, I want to do with it yeah exactly a tran- you could be a translator for the UN or something but I will never forget the moment that I thought actually fuck this I'm gonna do it because mm-hmm. I was in the back of my cousin's car she's a teacher and she was talking to me about like what I wanted to do when I went to uni and whatever and I said I'd really like to go and do journalism and I had applied for um, a journalism course in London and she said there's no point in doing that no one will ever make any money from journalism and then I was like mm. I quite like a nice life so yeah uh, and then I deliberated it a little bit and ended up, I actually applied for Law at Queen's and English Lit in Edinburgh. I went to see the uni in London and I hated London, which should have been like a foreshadowing of my what future. to come later, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, me and my mum were like fighting so much in the summer before I went to uni that I just last minute decided I was going to go to Edinburgh um, so that I didn't go home at the weekends. 
and it was the best thing I ever did. Now, like you, fannied about so much at uni. It was unreal, especially because in Scotland you do four years undergrad. Yeah. So I did four year years undergrad as well. Oh, was it matter. Did your first year not count? No. I <laughs> oh, see, I went to Queen's, so that was my biggest mistake. Like, I actually had to pass the first, well, you obviously have to pass it, but like, my first year counted. No, didn't count. Not so off, but didn't count. Didn't but I remember when I was in seventh year of school, I contacted the impartial reporter because I thought it was more premium than the Fermanagh Herald. Now I'm just like, right. And I wrote an article and the first article I wrote for them was about, it was a Valentine's article. Oh, what was it about? Some, something about like fake love or something uh-huh. on the internet which is hilarious because like dating apps and that weren't even really, they weren't a thing. Then. I know you was very forward thinking of you, to be fair. Tinder <laughs> <laughs> wasn't even a thought in someone's head and you were all like, internet love, what a load of shit. <laughs> I know, hilarious. And then, like when I was at uni, I just tried to write for as many publications as I could. Like when I was in first year at uni, I was emailing Condé Nast Traveler, never got a reply. Sure. But I thought that I was good enough. So I was like, I'm going to email them because I, even in school, like I was good at writing and that's just mm-hmm. no ever. I was so jealous of people who were like really good at maths or really good at science. Like I think I got an E in my chemistry GCSE because mm-hmm. just in one ear out the other. Um, but then I was writing for like this publication called Save the Student and that guy, I'm still friends with him. He's like Forbes 30 under 30 now, owns this app called Malsey. He's really entrepreneurial guy. Um, and then started direct for BuzzFeed, which was cool. Yeah, like, I remember seeing launched. on social media somewhere, I was either Instagram or something, that you were writing for BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed. And I was like, the fuck? <laughs> it's like, Keenan's writing for BuzzFeed. This is unreal. The first article I wrote for BuzzFeed was so funny. It was um, a 30 signs that you went. So I saw 30 signs that you went to a Catholic girls' school. An Irish Catholic girl school. Yes, I love this. I have it bookmarked. I still have that bookmarked in my, like, I think, because I use Google Chrome now, but it was in bookmarked in my Safari browser. It's so funny. It's hilarious. And I'm actually going to look for it while I, I'm talking to you. Yeah, so they guys, have- I'm going to link this. You need to see this article. Like, so anyone who is from <laughs> Ireland and went to an Irish Catholic girl school, I'm going to link this um, in the description notes the show notes it is one of the funniest articles you've ever read I remember like reading it and going yes 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 100% and it's so funny as well it's so tongue-in-cheek but it's so wonderfully done it was so tongue-in-cheek especially for BuzzFeed and they had done like a 30 signs you went to a convent and Mm -hmm. I was like I read it and I was like this was clearly in England yeah so then I was like I gotta put my own spin of it and it actually went viral yeah, I remember saying how many people have shared I wish it. I, had, like, I wish I had Instagram then, because I probably would have got loads of followers. <laughs> Do you not have it but, framed, though? I have, would have that shit framed. Yeah, I probably should do that, actually, in fairness. But that I then started to do, like, just little bits. I got into this whole thing of doing, like, those listicle-type articles. And how did um, you start writing for BuzzFeed? How did that happen? Um weirdly the, the girl her name's Alva Malone she's from Dublin she used to be the editor and um, she just tweeted saying she was looking for um writers and mm-hmm. I just had like kind of like an alert thing mm-hmm. on Twitter for hashtag writers wanted and I just emailed her with a couple of ideas and then I said actually 
I think this article was really good, but I think it would be better to do it from an Irish girl's perspective. Mm-hmm. And obviously her being Irish, she was yeah, like, she yeah, she was definitely. like, hell yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, then I just pitched different ones to her. And then sometimes they would say like, oh, you, can you do like a 24 signs that blah, blah article? Yeah. Um, and they actually paid really well. That was my very first paid writing job. Okay, cool. They used, they used to pay, they don't, I don't think they do anymore, but they used to pay like £250 an article. Ooh, so the summer that I was graduating, I was like banging them out, banging them out, banging them out. Because I decided I was going to go and live in New York for three months in September. So I needed money. Yeah, fair enough. Makes sense. Manhattan is expensive. Lovely part of the world. though. <laughs> Gorgeous. Gorgeous. So that's kind of like how it started. I totally like don't think that you should listen to your school careers uh, department mm-hmm. I think you should do your own research, unless you happen like, to have a really I'm good one to be fair unless you have happen to have somebody yeah. who gives you really good advice and is empathetic rather than just communicates by leaving your CV in a box yeah and then doesn't <laughs> ever come to the class yeah that too okay. yeah yeah <laughs> Shots fired. Had, I made friends with this girl called Eleanor and she was studying international relations. And I was like, what is that? That's amazing. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing because I didn't do my research because I didn't know that there were so many different courses available. Yeah. And if I was to go back and do it, I would probably do English Lit and international relations because it would make me a different type of travel writer now, I think. What's, what is international relations? What's that entail? It's basically just about different countries like economic relationships with each other and yep. cultural relationships with each other and um, so you basically learn about the world and how it relates to each other international yeah. relations obviously duh. but yeah. oh my god <laughs> um, that it would be so invaluable and that's something my dad has always liked to me would you watch the news and I deliberately don't because I just find there's so much negative negativity and I just like yeah. unless there's like water skiing buddies and stuff like in and like Tokyo I don't want to know do you know what I mean like I want like happy news I want like the good only the good news I know we have to know about current affairs and I I, I realize that but all the time there's so much shit I know I'm struggling with it at the minute as well because even like I've still got the BBC news alerts on my phone I'll turn those off it was like Virgin Atlantic cuts 3,000 jobs and halts um all like airline business from Gatwick and I'm like Will I not have a job in a year? <laughs> you will have a job. People will be chomping at the bit to travel. But also, like, Richard Branson is the richest man in the world. Like, I don't understand. I know, I don't get it either. No, you like, froze him. I said you were speaking to your friend and she works for a bank. Yeah, and she was saying this as well, that this whole, like, COVID-19 just has kind of made me think that money's just not real. Well, like, how are these massive companies just not, not going to exist? I know. Yeah. Well, as someone who has loads of debt to pay, let me assure you, money is definitely real, and bills are a real know, thing. They hundred percent are. Well, I wish mine was student debt. <laughs> but basically, as long as you have a roof over your head and your bills are paid, do you know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. need to be earning and the big that's what kind of was so funny when my cousin said that to me because she's a teacher and she wasn't. And this was like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Teachers didn't earn that much. They still don't earn enough for what they do. I don't think. But they, she wasn't earning that much. Like, what does she think I was going to be earning? Yeah, so, right enough. Um, I went and... Like, but that's not mentality my, again. That's probably what she's been had drilled into her. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny because 
where she never asks me like how things are going so oh okay so whatever it is what it is um, it is what it is it is what it is um, <laughs> when I was at uni like I did a lot of funny about like you um but did try and like sort of get a feel for writing for publications and things like that and then my friend Danielle who she's actually a travel blogger and um, we went backpacking together for three months um but the year prior to that I actually went into railing um around Europe and I brought a tent and I just camped in different places mm-hmm. uh, for a month and that's when I really was like oh my god I love this like there's such mm-hmm. a buzz and seeing different places and just taking pictures and people watching I never blogged any of it. I still actually don't have a blog, but I am making one. I'm in the process of making Yay! one. I'm all of my old travel stories. Um, but when we went away to Australia, like we did New Zealand, Australia, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, and it was just class. Mm. And when I got back from that trip, because it was so long and we'd saved for it and we just got such a buzz planning it. Like we used to get cans of cider and go and sit down by the canal in Edinburgh and plan it. Isn't planning like I, it's just me or is planning some of the best part of a holiday? I absolutely love it. It's so love good. It. And like, I, I'll come on to like some other work that I do, like side projects, but it involves planning trips for other people. And I just love it. Like, but when I got back from that trip, I thought, right, I need to smash finally your uni because this, ha- I have to make this my your life. life yeah. Um, and then that the following summer, I was writing for BuzzFeed, realized that. I was getting picked up by different editors and things. Mm-hmm. Still was applying to Condé Nast Traveller. Wasn't getting any bite back. <laughs> I actually applied for their advertising internship. Yeah. Like just selling ads. And I, didn't I applied for that as well. I applied for that Condé Nast internship. And I was like, what do you need to get this? I've been selling ads for ages. <laughs> no, well, I had no ad experience, but it was just a grad program. I was like, seriously, yeah. like, do I need Yeah, I did. I had lunches. Probably, you probably had to be like the air to quality street or something. But like, um, I had, like, I had ad selling background, and I spoke two languages, and I didn't get it. So I was like, "What do I need?" Yeah. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Probably. Uh, That's something I really regret. Actually, is not learning languages, but I just just didn't stick with me hey well I forgot them now so for all the good <laughs> <didn't we? laughs> so that's where I got to like then I went to New York and was writing for BuzzFeed US which was hard because I had to do it in US English um, and I was just there for three months like bumming about Manhattan first class like every I first was yeah uh, bumming about Manhattan eating loads of pizza you know all that sort of thing going to Irish pubs must have been so fun now I'm like how did I not put on more weight and then I'm like oh yeah I was 23 oh yeah that remember your old metabolism I get you um but yeah like I saved a lot of money when I was there because I was going traveling again when I got back home after Christmas Mm -hmm. and I actually got home in the in the December and on the 5th of January 2015 I saw a tweet from House of Coco looking for writers and I applied and that was it and there five years on production editor (laughs) that's amazing that's so good and isn't it Laura who owns House of Coco 
Yeah, Laura. Yeah. So yeah, at that lovely. stage, it had only had one print issue. Mm-hmm. And I wrote for the second print issue. Then I went traveling to like Bali and Japan and stuff um, and came back and just spent the summer in Devon and was writing for them and then started to write for the culture trip as well. Mm-hmm. And like I didn't I didn't have any experience you know, in the technicalities of journalism or magazines or any of that stuff. Um, and I went on my first press trip, which was hilarious, to Croatia. Mm-hmm. And so just I'll give a bit of an overview of what a press trip involves. Um, so you get invited by like a hotel or a tourist board or an airline and you go with like four or five other journalists you've never met before. And you're basically on holiday together for seven days, except you're flat out note taking, you're meeting different people, you're being carded from A to B from like 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. You're eating like everything in sight. Um, but this one was really amazing. It was in an area of um, Croatia called Istria, uh-huh. um, which is really northern, it's quite mountainous. But Julie Peasgood was on it and she used to be in Brookside. And so then I was like, are there always celebrities on these things? I'm going to Google she, her. Go ahead. She had just released um, a sex toy range for Boots. Oh my God, and stop. And was telling us all about it. And she was like saying how she had to test all the products. She didn't have to test all the products, but she felt she had to test all the products. Of course, yeah. In order to oh, be yes. an advocate. Yes, I know her. Um, so she was telling me this on the front of a yacht with this guy called Adam who also moonlighted as a drag queen he's a really famous drag queen in Manchester right and yeah it was just like the most bizarre experience ever that sounds amazing though and I wrote some articles about it that sounds so fun yeah it was good crack definitely crack. and like each trip is so different and yeah it's nice because I've been, I'm still friends with some people who I went on press trips with like four years ago, but mm-hmm. the industry then is there's always one person on the trip who's like annoying or just a bollocks. <laughs> and if you don't know who that person is, then it's you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I get you. That is quite hilarious. Um, but yeah, you must come across some characters. Yeah, definitely. Like some people are just insane on another planet and when you're you're together with these four or five people who are older or younger or very different backgrounds or you know their magazine operates differently or they're just the people are just totally different personalities that you never find yourself with Mm -hmm. and then you are just with them for 12 hours a day for like five to seven days really has taught me patience Patience. (laughs) (laughs) and like better conversation skills yeah i think i thought it also to be like to what to bluff oh bluffing yeah yeah like you can tell them anything and they just be like all right is that okay is that right yeah i suppose yeah and then (laughs) it probably is and have you ever suffered from like imposter syndrome or anything like that whenever you were on these press trips or right now yeah actually last year i went on a press trip with qatar airways which was insane and it was business class and I'd flown business class. What was that like? Talk me through. Would you pay the money? For them, 100%. It was unbelievable. But the month before, I'd flown uh, to Barbados with British Airways business class, but I didn't know until I got on the plane that I had a business class seat. I'd just randomly been upgraded. Mm -hmm. And I thought, 
I thought I was a like class. Like yeah. I thought it was unreal. But then there's like all these people around you who obviously fly business class all the time. And I was trying to get like the wee shutter to come around my head to be private and I couldn't do it. And like, I just looked like I didn't belong there. But then I went and Qatar's one and I knew it was business class because they always fly like press and stuff, business mm-hmm. class. So you turn up to Edinburgh, there's a red carpet for you to check your bags in. You go through a different security, you're in a lounge, blah, blah. And then you get in the plane. And this moment, the air hostess comes over and it's one air hostess for every two um, passengers. Okay. And you've got this like little pod. I don't, it's not little, it's massive. Like you can fully lie down in a bed and stuff. And she gives you champagne and I was just like, this is class. So then got to Doha to get our connection to Langkawi. But we went into this room and there was 10 other journalists going on the trip because it was like to celebrate their launch of their Langkawi route. Mm-hmm. And they were from big, big publications like all over Europe. And a woman from Condé Nast Traveller was there. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. And she so Miranda like, Priestley yeah. herself was there basically mm-hmm. okay cool and she was like very like just put together like just got off a seven hour flight but looked amazing like refreshed she was just like quite posh and I was like oh my god I always get imposter syndrome about my accent mm-hmm. yeah right fair enough yeah and then I thought oh, te- I literally text Laura and I was like fuck I'm really out of my depth here like everyone's a little bit older and like has been in the industry longer and they're with big publications she was like you've got this you have more to give than they do and I thought Mm -hmm. right okay so anyway got to Langkawi got to the hotel sat beside the woman from uh, Condé Nast Traveller just we were put together and then this other girl from uh, basically like Sweden's version of Elle magazine And we had an absolute blast for like seven days. And we're still friends. Oh, that's amazing. And that started off as you feeling really out of your depth, fish out of water. And now you're like besties. And she literally talks about me all the time in in her office. And like, I'm getting in there now eventually. (laughs) So we could see a Caitlin Maguire piece in Condé Nast Traveller soon. That would be the dream manifest it next five years five years time left let's do it let's do it something i told yeah, you earlier manifested <laughs> manifested it came through today and it's happening let me tell you people it is po- possible to manifest getting rid of something you can do it i did it today <laughs> achieved but um so I mean, basically i know i was buzzing with that but that's absolutely unreal like i love that and like i know whenever i see you do things and i'm like oh I just wish I'd taken the fucking steps. I wish I'd had the balls and I wish I'd believed in myself a bit more. And I think so. Not too late. Oh, I know it's not too late, but I just love living vicariously through you as well. But also <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel, and this is going to be me being really honest. And we've had conversations off this about like where I'm at, like financially and professionally and different things like that. And I just, am like, oh my God, I want to travel. I want to do this and I want to blog it all. Oh. And really create these memories and I would love to go traveling solo but I just don't I have so like I have this like, kind of thing hanging over me that I'm like oh I need to get that cleared first mm-hmm. and that's gonna take me ages and by then I'm gonna be like 32 so I'm like is it too late then and I know it's never too late it's never too late yeah it's true so I'll still be like kicking about like Joanna Lumley on the Silk Road when I'm 60 <laughs> <laughs> that's class I love that but that's like but again, that's like me still subscribing to a mentality from 
from Anna is that I'm shitting all yeah. over myself and I do like I do break that mold sometimes so much in so many ways and then there'll be something like when it comes to really going for something that I know I would love and it totally scares me and actually do you know what I'm gonna do it because I remember I remember a house of cocoa job came up and I was gonna apply and I was in the application process and I was just like I, I can't do this Oh, you should have I know I know do you remember I was messaging you and I messaged Laura and I was like have one road trip with me last year I know I know but like basically I've never kicked myself as hard over something because like I feel like I would have had a real shot if I'd have really went for it um but now I'm like why did I do that to myself but next time I will uh, but I yeah, need to start practicing I will but I need to start writing uh, more as well as like like my website sitting there dormant I haven't posted on it since 2018 but I have so many pieces sitting there ready to go that I need to like submit to basically anyone who'll read them. But it's always that like dread of tasks that have been sitting on your to-do list and then you're like, oh, fuck, I don't want to start that because you've just had like a negative sort of weight about it. I do that yeah. all the time. 100%. But lockdown has been good because I'm just like taking stuff off my to-do list. It's been there for like two years. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that I have to do is like say if I go on a trip like I went to Disneyland in January and I only am editing my videos now but obviously like I work full-time a different thing it's different when it's your job but I feel like I would just put it off for ages <laughs> but yeah, like, I know like you were saying about the trip that my brother and I went on in February and we have so much content from that and I haven't even I haven't even looked at the videos to yeah. actually then ascertain what sort of vlog it would be because I'm just like oh I like the I like taking photos because it's like because I made my own presets on Lightroom, yeah. it's like one click edit for me, and then that's it. Yeah, go and sell those videos so I can have pretty pictures too, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then even when like I'm doing, because I shoot the covers for House of Coco now, when I'm shooting them, and then I have to edit them after, I'm like, it takes a, like, a lot longer than my like one click phone yeah. thing, so I always put that off. But it is good then when it's done, and you're like, I did that yeah That's and you cool. feel amazing so in terms of like what we were talking about like so obviously we've touched on how you got started and then that small town mentality so I want to focus on that a bit more so basically you know what were you told growing up like different things like that and saying that like I think well, I was brought up by my parents to believe that I could do anything but then it was basically everyone else who was like you can't do that yeah that was pretty much it like to be honest my mom has always been the biggest supporter like she's mm -hmm. amazing and you know like you know my dad died when I was younger and yeah. I do believe that everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't change that because mm -hmm. then my mom remarried to my stepdad and I have that whole wider circle of family that's really supportive and you guys um, are so close as well I know you and your yeah, sister are very close and like my mom's side of the family have always been just total hype girls hype boys my dad's side of the family weren't really that way inclined they had very sort of small town mentality but you know at the end of the day I was with my mom's side more often so mm -hmm. I, that sort of fueled me um but it is people on the outside who are like when are you gonna settle down when are you gonna stop traveling I'm like never well, like, I even know. my dad said to my mom you know when is she gonna like just stop and work and like get a house and my mum was like well first of all people can't get on the housing market anymore yeah and, and also why did this become something that you're meant to do I know and my mum was like this is her work so then yeah. when I actually started my own business last year so like I do like 
60% of my own business, which is Crusoe Collective, mm-hmm. um, and then 40% on House of Coco. Um, he was like, okay, this is class. We could finally start talking about things because he had his own business and is really good with like finance and stuff. So he was like, yeah. telling me all about taxes and that shit. So then he felt like he got it then, which is yeah. good. Well, that's good to have that support as well. But yeah, I do feel like, like this is something, like I have a friend and I met him on Tinder like years ago, like ages ago. Like when first, like I had Tinder for like two weeks and then I was like, oh fuck, this is kind of <laughs> shit. Delighted it. Um, I know you know, like you hop on and hop off at the odd time, but uh, obviously you've been in a committed relationship for like years and years so that you won't have <laughs> subscribed to this. But um, so definitely whenever you're single, you do definitely kind of hop on and off. And then I met this guy on Tinder and he's from Tyrone. And I hadn't been chatting him for ages and randomly I think he came across the podcast or something and he WhatsApped me and was like, oh, blah, blah, how's things? And then I was just kind of talking, he was like, how's things, how's work? And then basically he was all like, oh my God, lockdown's amazing. I've never had my savings like this. And he just basically kept going on and on about how much money was in his bank account. And I was like, right, dead on, we get it. You're saving loads, buzzing for you. And then he was just like, um, he was like, yeah, hopefully buy a house after this. He's like, what about you? When are you thinking about buying a house? And I was like, probably when I'm 37 or 38 maybe like I don't really know maybe I don't have any plans to whatsoever and then he was just like that's far too late to buy a house when are you gonna settle down and have kids like oh, when you're 40 when God. you're and he's like when are you gonna settle down and have kids like when you're 40 and I was like Bob. oh wow <laughs> I'm, triggered. I'm fully triggered oh, so triggered <laughs> go ahead go for it unleash it shots fired go for it <laughs> oh, it's such a man thing to say isn't it such a male thing to say it I winds me up <laughs> like, not everyone not every woman wants to have children yeah I'm like oh, whatever but I had like when you're talking about saving I had never saved a penny in my life mm-hmm. until like I started. so I lived in London worked on like social media for Etihad Airways yeah um, you really didn't, didn't like really living like, in London at all, did you? Gave me such bad anxiety. Yeah, I was suffering really unhappy there. Before that, anyway, mm-hmm. but it was really bad there. I just was like freaking out about terrorist attacks, and I didn't like how. Oh, really? That bad? Were, yeah, and I didn't. I really hated how like anonymous London was. Like, mm-hmm. there's six billion people in London, or six million people in London, not six billion, <laughs> but. <laughs> Like, no one looks at you. Like, no one gives you eye contact. No one says hi on the tube. Like, the tube is the busiest place in the morning, yet it's the most silent place because everyone's stood with their headphones in, looking at their phones. And I was like, this is bullshit. And I was also hemorrhaging money for yeah. doing nothing. Like, yeah, just for, like, existing. Like before I'd moved a finger, I'd spent, like, £1,300 between rent and my travel card. Mm-hmm. Um, so I moved back to Edinburgh. And moved in with my girlfriend Sophie, which was like the best decision ever. Has really like I don't suffer from anxiety anymore. And obviously, I have like some episodes where I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah, I think everyone gets anxious about certain things sometimes. Like I don't think anyone can be on cruise control twenty four seven. No. And then I started working for an agency up here, which was really fun, and it was nice to then have like. Because I'd been in Edinburgh for uni, I'd moved away, I came back to Edinburgh to do a master's in magazine publishing, mm-hmm. lived with a girl from Enniskillen, mm-hmm. moved to London and came back to Edinburgh again. So I'd had these like three phases of Edinburgh life that were all like super different. Mm-hmm. This one's my favourite because 
it's just like being a young professional in Edinburgh and I could walk to work and like I made loads of new friends and it just really helped my mindset. But because I had this experience in London, when I was freelancing outside my agency, as soon as someone sees London on your CV, they're like, okay, she's obviously better than anyone else. So I was raking in this freelance work, like flat out. I was working pretty much from like 8 a.m. to 1 a.m. Um, and I saved all the money freelance from the freelance stuff. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, when I have £10,000 in my bank account, mm-hmm. then I'm going to start my own business. That's the day I have a notice in to my work. Oh my God. And I was like, because <laughs> I knew I wouldn't do it otherwise. Yeah, of course. And what was that like? Like, had in your notice. So you basically gave up your paycheck and your security blanket. Yeah. And you just were like, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to be a CEO by the time I'm 29. It's happening. Let's do this. Rip the bandaid off. And like, talk me through that process of starting your own business. Because I have like two business ideas. And I'm like, I don't even know where to start, mate. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I had like, obviously the whole experience with House of Coco and all the magazines that I write for. Um, had a love of travel but actually what I love most about travel is the sort of photography and content campaign side of things Mm -hmm. and I in the end in my full-time job in the agency in London and up here I was doing social strategy and brand strategy so really like deep diving into sort of DNA of a brand how that's shown on social media how they connect with their audience and stuff and it I just find that so interesting. Like I was yeah. never a person before until then. Mm-hmm. And so I started Crusoe Collective so that I could bring those two career experiences together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to put something down. Like I had to say, okay, when I do this, that's when I have my notice in. The day I had my notice in, by the way, the hardest part of starting a business is picking a name. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Like literally one day, Sophie, we were going back and forth talking about it. And then one day she saw, I think it was a dog on Instagram called Crusoe. And she said, that would be a really good name for a travel business. Yeah, so I travel to Crusoe. Yeah. And collective because I never wanted to be like, operate like a traditional agency. I only ever want to have freelancers because why would I tie people to one place when yeah. I don't want that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but the day I handed my notice in, I came home, I was like super hyper, like I'm even getting all like pent up about it now, was so hyper. And then I was shaking because I was scared and I went really yeah. like wide. Then I started to cry. And that was all in the space of about seven minutes. Oh my so God, really? Like, Are you okay? <laughs> and I was like, do I regret this? Do I regret this? No, I don't regret it. Is this a good thing? Yeah, it's okay. And then I took a week off and then I started wow and now here we are and how long has it been going for um oh 10 months <gasps> it's gonna be your year anniversary when july yeah what date 12th 12th lol, <laughs> lol. i was gonna say if you say my birthday i'm gonna freak out but like it's a week ahead so that's fine that's well okay. the 12th was the day i had my notice in so we go like the week after that it's the 17th oh fan high fab <laughs> um but like it was really good and for me it was never like about money all I said was like as long as I can pay my rent every Mm -hmm. month that's fine but I made more money than I did in my agency job and I've traveled so much like in that time been done an Italy road trip went to Santorini 
um, obviously been home a million times, went to Barbados, was supposed to go to Uzbekistan after Barbados, but I got heat stroke in Barbados, so I couldn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to San Francisco. Oh, oh to be Irish. <laughs> no. San Francisco, Lankawi, Gothenburg, and then Amsterdam, Paris, and then in February, as you know, I went and did Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas. I love that because I think I've always loved that part of America. Never been, but I've always loved the idea of it. And like, I think, um, like, I just think that part of the world would be lovely. And I actually have a road trip planned in my head, but I just pull on the trigger and getting it done. Um, I think I do need to figure out a way because I'm definitely getting itchy feet and I'm definitely getting the travel bug and I want to do so much traveling. I lived abroad and stuff when I was 21 and 22. And I'm just kind of like, and I've done a fair bit of traveling, but you know, when you're like, wow, there's so many things I want to do. Um, yeah. So I need to find a way to work that into my professional life, basically. So we'll and be having know, a chat with them. It was amazing because, like, a lot of people say to me at home, "Oh, you're never done traveling. Your life's a holiday." Blah. Not just yeah. home, but like that's what we're living. But that is such a home thing to say. And then I took my brother on this trip, and I planned it all. And this was his like dream trip, and he was yeah. never going to get to experience anything like this. Because you like he could go on a holiday of that, but like I can pull strings and we can do things that we you might mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to do if you were a tourist. Yeah. And he just loved it. And I just was so I just loved so much how he was so into it. He's really into food and drink, so he was helping yeah. me like find really interesting chefs to speak to and mm-hmm. so that I could diversify my content. Yeah. But then he also got to say actually there's so much work that goes in behind yeah. these trips like I was getting up at 5 a.m to make sure that between five and nine I did all the crucial collective work because I have my own clients still to deal with and then from like nine until nine a.m until 10 p.m we were doing stuff for House of Coco and then on the like third day he was like this is not a holiday and everyone needs to know it yeah exactly and I can tell that just from watching you go and far enough it looks like the dream life and of course it is but you must be buzzing with the sleep you're getting at the minute uh, do you know exactly what because I was going to say this to you before first few weeks of lockdown I was like oh my god this is my worst nightmare because mm-hmm. as soon as I'm back from a trip I'm planning another and I was yeah. supposed to go to Saudi Arabia in April on like a project for Crusoe Collective which mm-hmm. would have been like my first one proper yeah. for my business so I was like buzzing didn't happen but I then had to just shake it up and took a week off like three weeks in lockdown and then came back with like fresh mindset was like set myself tiny goals literally like drink four of these jugs of water a day yeah um do a 20 minute exercise but it just kept me focused mm-hmm. um and now I'm like loving the rest going to bed early like staying away from my laptop at the weekends and it's the rest I never would have given myself yeah like it's the same as me totally like rest is, yeah it's, it wasn't like, something you prioritized Mm-hmm. yeah exactly I didn't at all like when I lived in London because I hated living there I would work Monday to Friday and then I would fly somewhere on the Friday night back on yeah. the Sunday night that's exactly what I did up here two or three times a week mm-hmm. and or two or three times a month and then I burnt out so bad I was off work for four weeks literally oh my God. four weeks you were in bed for four weeks yeah Oh my god, that's I get. Uh, I can imagine that would be your worst nightmare. Well. No, let's like let's rest a little bit more. <laughs> I actually, say I say to me, actually, it was like 
about burning the candle at both ends I must send it to you and it's like I was like oh my god that's so what I did but like I used to do that as well like I was where whenever I first moved up to Port Stewart I was just like not feeling it so every Friday night or even Thursday I was driving either to my mom's to Belfast to Derry somewhere and that's not a far journey that's not like flight but at the same time it's still like a big expense and still like like driving is knackering my yeah. dress was knackering and then like I was constantly living out of a suitcase coming home unpacking and you just never had a routine so like I can totally relate to that um and I don't think I was ever in bed for four weeks but I definitely think I could have done with it <laughs> to be honest um yeah. and then like so that's whenever like whenever I heard lockdown was coming in I was like yes I was like oh my god I was like like Alexa lock me up like please so she's above me I'm like, <laughs> like please don't actually lock me up but um do you know what I, mean? I was just like oh thank god because I was exhausted and like even now if they were like right lockdowns in tomorrow I'd be like mm, can you give us another month I know I still quite like I'm kind of in like this good rhythm right now and there's some things that I still need to like take off my to-do list yeah so like another three weeks happened I wouldn't be that bothered like mm-hmm. the first three weeks I was like holy fuck all my clients were dropping off Mm-hmm. I wasn't making any money I wasn't um I didn't qualify for the government help scheme because I wasn't self-employed for long enough for long enough yeah but, and obviously you can't get universal credit if you're basically if your partner has a full-time job um so I just felt really shit about that for ages but work is picking up now which is good yeah um travel I've got like a brand new hotel client mm-hmm. um in Ibiza Ooh, you're going to uh, <laughs> <laughs> hotels are opening in spain in five days actually yeah that's crazy that's, i didn't so, think they were allowed out yet but well though no, i know they're allowed outside but i didn't think you're not allowed to well you suppose you're allowed to travel towards like, other parts of spain towards the end of the month so they probably need to open up to kind of take bookings and get yeah, yeah that's true but like i don't anticipate that there will be any international travel until like at least October. No, I don't think so either. I was meant to go to Lanzarote two weeks from tomorrow. That is not happening. But sure, there's. Well, I'm excited to travel. Like mm-hmm. I've never really traveled in Scotland or in Ireland, mm-hmm. so I'm going to do a lot more of that. And um, I've actually just put together a big pitch for um, Visit Great Britain to do some like content and stuff for them with a couple of other guys who own a videography agency mm-hmm. just because I think people are going to want to travel more at home and they'll have to yeah. target the domestic market 100%. so that'll be interesting but Forward first things thinking. first definitely going home and seeing my mom yeah uh, completely I haven't went home since I haven't seen my mom since the weekend the day after Danielle's wedding so like the 6th 7th of March that was the last time I seen my mom and oh, okay because uh, you were home the same weekend as me yeah that's right we were home the same weekend um and then yeah and then I've been back in Port Stewart basically since I think I was in Belfast no I have been in Port Stewart more or less since I was meant to go to country to country uh to see Luke Holmes like the weekend before St Paddy's Day but that was cancelled so I had a night out in Port Rush and that was the last time I've been out for dinner but I'm so glad I did that because like it was the last time I actually was able to go out and have a really good night out and stuff like that but it definitely makes you appreciate the little things like rest like seeing your mom and things that you would have complained about like that two-hour drive I would walk it now no problem I came home from America on the Wednesday and then was flying home on the Friday yeah the Friday for my uncle's 50th birthday and then Flybe went bust and I was like oh my god 
I'm going to have to pay like 200 quid for a flight to Derry because classic uh, EasyJet and Ryanair just hiked their prices because oh, mm-hmm. and I wasn't going to go home and then I was like fuck I'm going to have to because my mum's going to be raging if I don't so flew home and then turned out like all my family were home even my auntie flew home from New Zealand for Friday. oh I saw that and video funny. and it was the cutest thing I have ever seen <laughs> oh I love that on the Friday night, we were out for dinner. On the Saturday, we were out for lunch. We had the party on Saturday night. On the Sunday, we went to the pub to watch football. Like, it was a, everything that you could ever want to do in one oh, weekend. And then on the Tuesday, I went into lockdown. Oh, personal, so you, yeah. I went into personal isolation then. Yeah. So we were in isolation for, I think it's 60 days on, on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Amazing. That is crazy. Oh, my God. Mental. And how have you, like, so you basically overall now you're finding your rhythm, but initially you really struggled. Yeah, I think it was just like, whenever I started working for myself, Laura had said to me, take the leap and the net will appear. Mm-hmm. And it did, luckily. And then at the start of lockdown, it just felt like that was being ripped from underneath me. And I just had such a defeatist attitude. I was like, I've worked so hard for something that can then just be taken away like that because I've not been like, I've not had a, an accountant look after my finances properly and blah, blah, blah. Um, but really, I think people were just like super scared in the first three weeks and then they realized, well, life is going to have to go on after. So they still need people to do the work for them. So it's picked up now, thankfully. That's good. So then just to wrap up, I'm going to ask you three pieces of advice for several different points. Okay. So what is, oh your, God. What is your advice to anyone who basically has a massive dream and doesn't know how to do it three pieces of advice okay so this is based on my um own experience and what I would do differently looking back at like 17 18 year old me is to do research like Mm -hmm. research exactly how you get to that point in your dream like for me as I said I would have done international travel international relations and English lit that would Mm -hmm probably make me a better travel writer now but if you have a dream it doesn't matter you know you I had to go and work in an agency in London which doesn't correlate directly to writing for travel magazines but I was working for a travel brand and it all just knitted together in like a sort of an upskill manner and mm-hmm. um, for me to then be able to start my own business so I think just take every avenue possible okay cool so that's one. Uh, take every avenue possible. Do research and take the leap. Would that be with just literally stop at nothing? Yeah. Cool. Literally then, stop at nothing. <laughs> <laughs> break down the impartial reporters' Don't doors. Don't bad if you're hounding people. Just keep yeah. hounding them. <laughs> Fair enough. They've got like, like what is it Blair Waldorf does? She faxes every machine in the building once she wants. So like an internship at W, like yeah. be, be Blair Waldorf. Do that. <laughs> they'll finally get tired of not answering you and they'll just like okay right what have you got to say yeah fair enough that makes sense um and then three pieces of advice for anyone who wants to start their own business take the leap the net will appear (laughs) okay cool. have um, have a goal in mind for when you actually take the leap so because otherwise you're just going to sit about and be like oh well maybe i'll do it after covid or maybe i'll do it when there's like less inflation or no just say i'm going to do it when i have 10 grand in my bank account i'm going to do it the day i turn 30 you need to have an end point otherwise you're not going to jump off okay and 
I think my final piece is to learn how to blow your own trumpet because okay. especially if you're a woman because we have like such defeatist attitudes and we're always like oh you know I did this thing and then uh, no you you did this amazing thing yeah speak about it talk about it all the time like you did that yourself and actually someone said that to me when I did an Instagram live with them a couple of weeks ago I just kind of brushed off this thing that I did and she was like no don't brush it off keep shouting about it you, you did that check girl yeah when you start your own business you have to be your own brand advocate especially mm-hmm. in the first couple of years so yeah shout, learn to blow your own trumpet yeah shout louder blow your own trumpet and especially I think if you come if you are especially a woman that comes from where we come from that's a hard thing to learn to do because yeah. like there's plenty of people who have like like do you remember when Sinead Quinn was on Fame Academy yeah I was like oh my god yes girl like she yeah. was unreal but like there was so many people who were like oh, what is she doing I know and you're you'd lot you'd blah blah it's like she's better than you mate you're standing here and what was the pub call at the time cheers Man, cheers <laughs> probably but you know when you're just like um like exactly like she's taking that like and I think she's an amazing singer I still play her album in the car I love it I think it's fantastic. oh my god I love that what was the song ready to run love it oh class oh that one <laughs> what was that called it's like dear, don't you well, yeah that was a great song breakdown she was it breakdown she's like my second cousin was she yeah i have she's messed she messaged me recently actually she's uh doing she's living in london i think so yeah. or like kind of in there thereabouts yeah she seems to be loving life um but yeah she's brilliant her family's great crack um but yeah so that's basically just take the leap and like don't be afraid of what anyone else is going to say but yeah and this is advice I'm giving myself here right now because like I'm kind of at a very big stage of re-evaluation in my life and my career and like I'm about to turn 30 and I'm like am I where I thought I'd be at 30 no not even close so I'm like right where not did I go wrong but like what where's next basically what do I want to do about sidestepping and actually just to go back on that because it's very easy for me to say now oh just take the leap be confident mm-hmm. I wasn't confident but I had Sophie basically hyping me all the time mm-hmm. and I think if you can have someone and you say to them okay this is my business idea this is how I want to get to it this is how I want it to play out tell them those three things so that they can just say to you Nicole is this helping where you want to get to with your business is this you know gonna Mm -hmm. help you to achieve that dream so yeah just somebody to hype and reality check you as well yeah a hundred percent I think that's like build your support system basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think that's absolutely everything is there anything else that you want to add at this stage just thought it was really nice to see you and also to hear a home voice I know it's been amazing and like if you don't follow like I said I've said already like Kaylin is one of the most inspirational and talented human beings and she's so nice as well like she always messages me and be like I am your hype girl today you have done this you're like doing this like you're like P Sherman 42 all the way Cindy let's go <laughs> like yes that's the best quote ever <laughs> like I just find it so amazing that you're just so like you're so driven for yourself but you're so like right come on queens fucking pull yourself up by the thongs let's go <laughs> let's go do things other people doing well too like. yeah exactly and then what you have to remember as well is that there will always be people out there and that person can be yourself as well who will love to see you fail and who will love to see you tank it fuck them if it, even if that person is an element of your own personality like just literally just be like fuck off I'm gonna do it yeah. anyway 
Um, two things to do rhythm. 100%. So I'm going to link Kaylin's Instagram down below. Um, and if anyone can actually print, like, well, everyone from Ireland who listens to the podcast will know that your name is spelled Kaylin. But whenever we were in school, I'll tell you a really story, quick story before we go. Kaylin, nobody could work out what your name was. Well, certain people could, but like it was quite rare. And then also we, yeah. had, another, we had another Kaylin Maguire who was a boy in the same class. So you had to go Kaylin Maguire the girl or Kaylin Maguire the boy. And he's in the same year and doesn't he live beside you? Or well, yeah, where he, he, lives beside, he lives right beside me, yeah. It's <laughs> hilarious. Kaylin the boy and Kaylin. <laughs> it was absolutely ridiculous. It was so funny. Not only did I have the same first name, but you had the same second name. Which was, it was hilarious. But it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. And like I said, it's been lovely to get chatting to you as well and like see like basically ask you all the questions that I've wanted to ask so (laughs) I'm going to put um a link to um Crucial Collective down below as well and your socials down there your own social and then as well for House of Coco as well so if you want to have a look at more what Caelan does and first thing I'm going to look is that link is that BuzzFeed article like it's the funniest oh, yes. thing I've ever read it's so <laughs> funny so if you want to devour more of Kaylin's work which trust me you do um definitely check her out and also if you have any questions dm either her or myself like I know I've sent people who've asked me questions about different things I've sent them to Kaylin being like oh this girl does what you want to do you should totally go talk to her so um <laughs> don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to message no, her or please me. DM me and oh, we will answer any questions exactly so if you Thanks haven't already so no problem delightful to have you guys if you haven't already subscribed to the podcast please subscribe on apple or spotify and give it um a five-star rating if you think it deserves it and then leave a wee review as well and thanks very much we'll be back next week with another guest thanks guys bye <laughs>